sonicstates.com. We're all here for podcast 13. Ooh. Well, we're, we're actually a day late, aren't we? Because um, yesterday uh, we took part in this uh, monitor shootout. How would you, is that how you describe it, Oz? Yeah, we got about 30 sets of monitors together. Uh, mostly of the near fill variety, just to uh, pit them against each other, price brackets, uh, and uh, see which was the best of the best. It was six hours or so of listening to to speakers. It was actually really tiring. You, you sort of think, oh, it'll be easy, but the further up the price range you get, the more difficult it is, because they all sound good, but it's just a quite a well. At least some of them sound really good. I mean, you'll have to wait and see, I guess. When's that coming out? It might be in the next issue, which will be on sale end of October, but it might not be. Okay. Rather cryptically. There's quite a lot of uh, stuff flying around at the minute, so I, I don't know for sure, but it's going to be a great feature. But it is, yeah, it's a very interesting thing. Have you ever been involved in something like that? Have done a lot of speaker listening tests? No, only when I came to buy my new monitors. What have you got? Uh, I bought some Adams. Ah. Which are lovely. They are very lovely. Which ones? Um, not the P11As? The P22As, the bigger ones. Mm, I should have yeah. guessed. Yeah, it was kind of interesting checking out all the various things. I'd, I'd, I'd sort of set my heart on Genlex, and then uh, a load of people came back going, no, you really must check out these Adams. And uh, as soon as I heard them, I was like, yep, that will do. They're mm. gorgeous. Uh, there were some Adams and some Genlex there yesterday, but we probably can't say too much because it would be giving the game away. It would be giving the game away. But suffice to say, there were a pair or two of uh, speakers that sounded dreadful so come on then off the record off the record off the record uh absolute dog really yep we were talking uh, last week about the chaos pad and uh, ronan was kind of flabbergasted that perhaps it didn't have any uh, phono inputs as in um turntable amplification and um guess what oz um turned up today for the this recording with a Chaos Pad 3, so you can see it in the fresh flesh. And uh, I have to say, it looks really nice. It sort of looks a bit like a stealth bomber. It's got this kind of um, matte black, kind of radar unfriendly uh, look to it. And the buttons have got this kind of sticky rubber feel. I, I know I'm kind of waxing lyrical about what is essentially rubber and plastic and metal, but it does look really nice. But sure enough, on the back, um, it does have uh, line inputs, but it doesn't appear to have phono inputs, and the switch on the front just uh, switches between line and mic. Oz is now just leafing through the uh, instruction manual to see whether it will, in fact, Mm. work with a turntable directly plugged in, because the previous Chaos Pads had a phono input, so you could plug a turntable directly in. They also had an earth post, so you didn't need any kind of uh, additional amplification. And what's the verdict, Oz? Uh, It's kind of uh, fairly typically ambiguous, insofar as it does say that they're only line ins and outs. However... It does then go on to say this allows the KP3 effects to be applied to any audio signal connected to the mixer. Yeah. So presumably they're talking about from a DJ mixer, the line yes. out to the... Well, I think that's kind of fair enough. I mean, It is fair enough. I mean, I, that was one of the reasons I sort of... I, I didn't, but I was considering buying a Chaos Pad 2 just so I could, you know, I'd have a turntable to have and I wouldn't have to have bother with getting a, a turntable amp as well. It seems to me that unless you're very flush and want to buy one for each deck. It's the kind yeah. of the sort of thing that you're probably better off having on a send return from the mixer. Yeah, you are probably right. I mean, it just I think it was one of those kind of added bonuses that I just always thought, wow, that's really useful. 
And uh, money, money being as it is, I mean, presumably they they preferred to put the extra cash into making the the core features just sort of better. Well, now that I've got this Chaos Pad three, um, I've probably got a KP two for sale. If you're interested. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I don't even mean that because I know that I'm definitely getting a KP3 and I'm going to run my KP2 into it. Eno style. Well, Eno apparently has three that are cascading yes. one to another, doesn't it? So I can be two-thirds of the man that he is. Yeah. You have to lose a bit more hair, though, I'd I say. have to lose a bit more hair and gain a hell of a lot more talent. <laughs> but uh, who knows? Well, good luck. Thanks very much. So, Dave, what have you been up to? You're, you're off to Prague, I hear. Uh, yeah, in about an hour. Right. So we better get a move on, then. Jolly D. What are you doing over there? Uh, Digi M Audio conference thingy. I've got to give a. I've got to give a talk. So uh, has this got anything to do with uh, any new products you might be developing? Yes. Oh, so we must be getting close. Um, well, we hope so. Well, I better not speak before. Um, well, better not speak too soon. Uh, no, and there's a few new things that they're going to show there as well. So brilliant. So you're quite going to be able to tell us all about it, but not. We won't obviously won't be able to broadcast any of it. Uh, I don't know, actually. I'll ask them. I'll see what they say. Uh, that, that we did one last year, which was pretty cool, in Barcelona, where they announced that, um, what's the mixer thing, interface thing that they did? Uh, yeah, Project do? Mix. Project Mix, yeah. Um, which, it was the only one in existence, which was quite funny. So they were sort of guarding it with their lives. So uh, Chrissy and I engineered a situation where they were all out of the room and um, we hid it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the Digi Digi link is actually quite useful because uh, our first item is a Digi Design item, uh-huh. and uh, it's it's the Digi Design Digi Design Mbox Two Pro, mm-hmm. um, which I don't know. I mean, the, the Mbox Two was uh, a kind of a rather a blue looking thing with a kind of handle, which was a USB audio interface, and you know just sort of upped everything a bit. Um, but the Mbox Two Pro has gone back to Firewire which is kind of an interesting one. Because I, I always thought, you know, and it's Firewire 400, which by its very nature, Firewire 400 is only 400 um, Mbps, whereas isn't USB 2 supposed to be 480? Uh, yeah, something like that, yeah. But uh, I think, I, I have a personal theory about this, because I think USB 2 is absolutely dreadful. Maybe good Go for audio interface, but it's awful for moving a large amounts of data about um, I don't know if you've ever had any USB 2 hard drives, but, I mean, try copying from one USB 2 hard drive to another USB 2 hard drive on the same machine or, or you know, onto any other thing, and it's just, like, running through treacle. Wow. Sounds far too technical for me, but uh, iPods are on USB 2, aren't they? Yeah, well, that's all right, because they're just... You're not going to be copying... You're not going to be moving an enormous... You're know, just doing MP to MP3s, aren't you, really, on those? Or well, you mind sort of, like, for data storage as well, for transfer between, you know, huge files between work and home well maybe the usb2 implementation on a mac is slightly better than what you get on um pc based machines i don't know maybe that is so it, that's yeah. a possibility uh i lost one of my um the cable that came with my ipod so i went down to our local apple retailer i think we all know who that is in bath yeah uh and uh not that it's their fault but i got charged 16 pounds for a replacement nice that's a cracker i couldn't quite <laughs> believe it i oof. Well, iPod accessories are, uh, you know, a bit of a cash cow, aren't they? As we all know. How many are there now? There was a thousand, wasn't there, famously well, about six months ago? I watched the um, Steve Jobs keynote speech yesterday, um, just while I was doing not Not for personal entertainment, as you research only. I've never seen one before. You, you know, I'll give it to him. He's a very good presenter. And yeah. it was a very swish, 
uh, and as you'd expect, you know, quite upbeat affair. Uh, and one of the things that he said was, you know, he was doing a kind of market share roundup. And the iPod side of things was there are now 3,000 plus accessories for iPods. And presumably when he says that, that means they're the ones that are kind of legit. So that means that the, the second 2,000 of those have come about in the last sort of six to nine months. Did you see any of that, Dave? Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Really, I like that ITV. The ITV thing looks really good. I mean, it's, it's quite a break away from what Apple normally do because they never usually sneak peek, as he said. You know, they don't preview stuff. They just say, here it is. And as we all know, they tend to stamp on little news organisations or anything that anybody dares to break the embargo. But um, yeah. yesterday they said, um, we're going to show you something, you know, that's going to be coming out, what was it, first quarter next year maybe. And it's, it's codenamed ITV, and it's essentially just a little um, bridge box that receives video data and what have you from iTunes and squirts it into um, HDMI, is it, that for large flat screen panels and, you know, yeah. video, um, RGB and audio. So you can essentially watch any of your movies, your, your iTunes stuff, or listen to it on your flat screen TV. And, and at a the nice same remote. Time, exactly. And at the same time, they, they announced that they're going to be doing movies on iTunes. For some reason, whenever I hear about this sort of technology, it puts me in mind of uh, Rollerball, you know, the James Kahn version. I didn't see the remake. <laughs> but you know when they're having that sort of swish dinner party in the future for all these sort of, you know, superstars... And they just go out into a field with some sort of, like, future gun and start blasting trees that burst into flames. Yeah, brilliant. I don't know why. But I, I, know gonna... I bet that's what it's like at Steve's Jobs House at a weekend. I bet it is, yeah. Wild dinner parties. Destructive nature. Um, but going back to the Mbox 2, for an extra 100 bucks, you can get uh, an Mbox 2 Pro Factory, which gives you five high-quality digital design and bomb factory plugins worth over a grand. And obviously you get um, Pro Tools LE of some descriptions with that as well. Sonic State. Okay, at this point in the show, I'd just like to uh, draw your attention to a new feature coming soon on Sonic State. It's called Going Solo. Uh, we're launching that on uh, Monday the 18th of September. And it's a series where we talk to professional producers and artists to get exclusive access to master recordings and the studios where they're produced. Uh, working methods, studio secrets, tools and techniques are all discussed in this new podcast from Sonic State. First episode of Going Solo features Andrew Coleman, a.k.a. Animals on Wheels, who deconstructs Helijack, one of his circuit bent soundscapes, and chats about recording for the Ninja Tunes, Thrill Jockey, and Coco Solid City labels. Going Solo. <laughs> Hi, um, I'm Andrew Coleman, um, also known as Animals on Wheels. Uh, I'm a musician and producer and vendor. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I, um, Just by uh, short circuiting, I've got these, I've put knobs on. <laughs> Quite good, isn't it? Sonic State. Tomago. In our kind of end, ongoing uh, discussion of things that uh, are involve digital rights and music distribution on the, on the net, Tomago are a, a new peer-to-peer digital music network. Um, but their kind of bag is that um, they want people to charge for their music. So it's the the idea is is if you're unsigned uh, or you own your own copyright or whatever, you can use their network to 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 sell your stuff and uh, use a charging model. You you know you set your own rates and you set your own um, uh, amounts and I, presumably you could do free stuff as well but the idea is I mean it, it seems like it's akin to a new uh, independent distributor like in the in the old days you know if, if you didn't have a record deal you could press up a few yourself and then go and see somebody like uh, the chain with no name or whatever and they would 
put them on the van and deliver to them to shops and you get distribution that way and you get some sort of royalty split you'd have to pay them you know x points per unit sold uh, yeah, I thought the uh, non-exclusive bit was interesting. This is this is the statement they released. It says, After three and a half years of intensive work, we have finally launched the Tomago peer-to-peer e-commerce network for selling digital media. That's interesting because it's not just music. It could be video, could be uh, pictures, you know, whatever. So it's not just related to music. Uh, the way it works is a person with a PC or an Intel-based Mac running parallels. So it's PC only by the looks of things. Downloads our client module and registers it. It's free. The client module allows a user to buy, sell, and distribute on our network. The author can publish his music, video, or any other digital media and set his own royalty rate. The list price is computed from the royalty sets. Publishing is non-exclusive and also free. Any buyer automatically dis- becomes a distributor on his network and his computer delivers an item he's paid a commission. The author always gets his commission no matter whose machine delivers the media. Have you got any idea how much a reseller will get in commission? No, I haven't seen the pricing structure. Because that would be curious. I think it's quite a nice way, isn't it, to sort of incentivise or de-incentivise uh, piracy. Just the fact that at least you're selling it onto your mates to make some money. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Oh, I, I can't don't, work it out. I don't know. I mean, I suppose the other thing is if you decide you want to fill your FTP server up with a load of digital media and put it, make it available as a, as a repository for this stuff, then, you know, if people use your server to download, then presumably you get a cut. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I haven't got a link from Tomago to Dell. Anyone think of one? No, there's a tumbleweed just well rolling yeah. across the room there. <laughs> well, I, I think maybe Dell, uh, in response to kind of the new um, Mac Pros, which are kind of, you know, things of beauty and got great cases and what have you, that uh, perhaps Dell have come up with something. It's the new uh, XPS 700, which is a rather beautiful case. And, you know, by all intents, uh, by all... By all accounts, it's got um, some fairly serious insides. Uh, apparently, the, you can get an up to a kilowatt power supply in it. It starts at um, dual, a core duo 1.87 gigahertz. But you can take that up, and that's the base model. I think that's uh, 1,300 quid. So what's that? That's probably about 2,000 bucks, something like that. Uh, you can take that to a dual 2.93 gigahertz machine, which would be pretty tasty, wouldn't it? But that's going to cost you another 900 quid on top. So that's kind of get pricey, isn't it? But um, anybody, why would anybody buy a big machine when you can just run Intel stuff on, on a Mac Pro? Uh, yes, yeah, an interesting one. Can you answer uh, me that? No. In the- <laughs> Is Is there, do you answer? think there's some issue with, you know, like hardware recognition, drivers, various bits and bobs that you can't kind of maybe get to work properly with uh, an XP boot on a Mac? I think the biggest surprise is the fact that uh, the PC fraternity seems to have taken a lifetime uh, to get around to sorting out some machines that aren't ugly as sin. When you sort of consider that seems to be a lot, a fairly major reason why a lot of people buy Macs, you know, uh, given that it's not something for the hardcore user anymore. It's a sort of, you know, almost like a domestic tool that's almost as indispensable as a fridge or a drinks cabinet. Uh, so why didn't the PC manufacturers cotton onto this years ago instead of punting out these sort of hideous beige towers that look totally at home in a hospital? Well, <laughs> that's a good question. But, I mean, there are lots of niche manufacturers who do, you know, are Alienware and what have you, do kind of great-looking cases. I mean, I think the problem is, is they're all individual manufacturers, mm. whereas Mac is Mac and you want a Mac that's the model you know you can't really do you know that that's the way it looks so it's got to be sort of all things to all people whereas 
you can put pretty much whatever components you like in whatever box, you know. That's true, but I've not seen, well, I I hesitate to say stylish cases for a PC because I've not actually seen any that I've thought, wow, yeah, I'd like that. I really am as superficial as, you know, being (laughs) being led by the outer casing. Well, I, I suppose, I mean, this, that, and that's where Dell are probably thinking, well, we've got, because we've got a massive global brand, you know, I mean, I don't know, I used to know people who used to make PCs for people, and they make a few quid on the side by, you know, building custom PCs, but since Dell kind of came to the fore, there's no point, because Dells are so cheap, and sort of work, I mean, our office is full of them, you know, for just sort of workhorse things, that why bother? So now they're probably thinking, well, if we start making really nice looking machines, then maybe we'll start sh- selling a bunch of you know, large, large amounts to the people who do care about what they look like. I mean, maybe that's their approach. Native Instruments, new plugins. That's a bit of a Mm. shot. I wasn't expecting that. So Native Instruments have just announced FM8, which is sort of an iteration of FM7, which is based on the kind of FM synthesis, which, you know, lots of people swear by. It's a great way to access all your old DX and uh, uh, patches and what have you. Uh, and much easier to edit. And the FM8 kind of takes things up a notch and um, perhaps it'll take it into a new dimension. I mean, it doesn't look quite as uh, dx styly as the uh, FM7. Yeah, yeah, I was kind of surprised at the, at the style. It looks very, um, it just looks very kind of Mac OS X kind of style. Um, looks great, though. I mean, it does look really interesting. I like the morph thing where you just grab the four presets and lob it on the various parts of the sort of vector pad. And then you can morph between them all. I think that's quite quite an intuitive way of uh, dealing with stuff. And it's all automated. and So you can record it all and uh, get some interesting stuff. Well, I mean, you say uh, it looks very OSX. It doesn't, I couldn't find anywhere whether it's um, going to run on Mac Intels. I mean, presumably it must be. I mean, you're not going to release a new piece of software that doesn't right now, are you? Uh, no, not if you've got half a brain. Um, the other thing that looked good was uh, uh, Massive, which is a sort of three-oscillator wave-scanning uh, synthesizer with uh, 82 ways, fle- flexible routing, all sorts of stuff. I mean, I've heard a few samples. It sounded kind of quite quite impressive. Yeah, I noticed that they had a filter mode called Scream. When we first interviewed Dave, he was showing the Imposca. One of his key phrases from that video was Scream's like a... I won't say it because uh, we'll have to tag this uh, as a sort of parental guidance. But you can go and watch the video. So um, we were wondering whether NI perhaps took their inspiration for that filter mode as uh, Scream's like a... Yeah, it's distinctly possible. And battery three. I mean, batteries, are, I always like battery. I mean, but it's not, not because it does anything particularly wonderful, but because the sounds were always fantastic. It came with such a brilliant set of samples. All the sort of electronic and modular stuff. I thought it was really good. I mean, so presumably if you buy battery three, you can get a whole bunch of new sounds as well. So there's four new releases. Absinthe 4, FM8, Massive, and battery three. And they all come together in a com- complete four. Mm, the new complete... I, that's the one thing I was thinking, actually. All native instrument products. Has anyone started to notice a similarity between what they call their things and the way they spell them and IKEA products? Well, I imagine that at Native Instruments headquarters, they've got no. They've actually removed the C keys from their computer keyboards. Yeah. And just put another K on there. And E as well. And E as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, moving completely away from software now. Um, did anyone, there's that um, SM Audio summing mixer, uh, which is an interesting thing. I mean, I don't know what people think about summing mixers, because um, how would we describe it? They're basically sort of passive boxes with a number of inputs that sum those to a stereo output, 
or two and um, they sort of do very little to the sound but, but let it sort of breathe and give it a very open and analogue feel. Um, a lot of mastering people swear by it. What you do is you take your Pro Tools session maybe into a mastering room and you play your stems out, all the individual submixes, and you put them into one of these boxes and then they'd record it via that into some lovely um, analogue to digital converter and get all the best of it. And that's better than squishing it all down digitally inside the workstation, so I'm told. But this, the different, this one seems to be um, 399 bucks, which seems like uh, usually these things are kind of, you know, 5,000 quid or something, aren't they? Have you, has anyone actually had any experience of, you know, the, the summing mixer phenomena? No, uh, no, not at all. In fact, um, I was glad you explained that because now I understand it. It apparently gives you, you know, better, just it, 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 there's more headroom and just sort of clearer space between everything. I mean, it sounds a bit sort of like spending £800 on a pair of speaker leads, but it's actually, there is something to it. You know, uh, doing a mix entirely inside the computer, it's better than it was, but it still doesn't sound as good as if you are to, you know, split things up, subgroup them into, say, four stereo pairs. It, it just some, gives it some sort of... Air. Air, separation. Uh, I mean, the thing about the SM Audio, I mean, they do, you know... Their, st- their range of stuff is actually quite good value uh, and they sort of wax lyrically about how great this is and what this is is eight inputs Ten- what people often do is they play out their Pro Tools or any any session through multi-channel audio interface into an analogue desk you know balance it and then r- record the output back into the workstation as a master uh, I think there's a lot to be said for that I mean uh, as I was just about to mention uh, I think that this is kind of why I'm getting much more interested in just stuff like uh, guitar pedals these days, just as a way of just sending any sort of like 100% digital signal through it, recording it back in, just to give it an edge. But even to the point where I think if you've got a selection of samples uh, that you're using in a tune, even if you just play them to your monitors and record them back in with a microphone, I think they can add just a sort of imperceptible amount of analog grit to things, which really helps it cut through. Yes, I mean, I suppose the thing is, if everybody's using Ableton or everybody's using Logic or whatever, and they then they bounce their mix to the at the end, then there's going to be a similarity of sound quality because they're not if they, if they don't use anything external to that, then everybody's essentially, you know, you're you're Everyone's you're at the mercy the of the maths that some bloke did when he when he invented the kind of bounce algorithm. Well, as I always say, just because you can do everything inside the computer doesn't mean you necessarily should. I might take a punt on this at three ninety nine. It's just to see. Yeah, but if you get a chance to have a look at one of these, Dave, I mean, you know, and you do, you do get one in. Let us know how it went, because um, I'd be interested to know. I'll, uh, I'll check it out. Um. Okay. Right. And what's next? Um. New large diaphragm UX- USB mic from MXR. Um. Not normally um, something that fills me with uh, great excitement, but I mean, this one's got kind of a kind of large gold diaphragm. It's cardioid only. It's cardioid only. It's um. It's obviously aimed at the podcast, which, you know, as that's what we're doing, I thought, I wonder how that would work then. Because, um, obviously, you know, when you're podcasting, it really helps to be able to hear your own voice through headphones because you get a more of a sort of sense of the radio thing. Confidence monitoring is very useful. And uh, I was wondering, if you've got a USB mic, you're going to get quite a lot of delay. I mean, that's going to be a bit of a problem, isn't it? Funnily enough, on the way back from Mesa last year, I was sat next to a bloke from the Flying Pickets who was over there... Um, Checking like out some isn't bad enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He was he was checking out uh, a Neumann digital mic, and he said the latency on it was so awful that actually every singer was completely out of tune who tried it. 
I mean, it's not a great deal of money, admittedly, but it's class compliant. You plug it into any computer, you know, as long as it's OSX or XP, and it'll just recognise it, and you can use it straight off the bat. But, Oz, you were saying something about um, another kind. SE, which is who's that? Studio Electronics. Studio Electronics, yeah. Um, I saw some of their new products at NAMM this year, and one thing that stuck in my mind was they had... um, It must have been a USB uh, cardioid condenser... And it actually had a mini jack on the microphone for presumably zero latency monitoring directly from the microphone. So I don't know whether you maybe plug a set of headphones into that. That was quite a nice idea. Maybe a combination mic with USB and XLR out, you know, would be kind of a good a good plan because then you could run your you could run your main signal through you know whatever plugins you wanted and then just have a confidence signal coming out into your desk. Mm-hmm. Anybody out there listening? But it's anyway, just idea. MXR, it's the MXL.006, uh, and it's USB cardioid condenser mic, and it carries an MSRP of 149 bucks. Sonic State. I don't think we covered this before, but um, it's come to my attention. I don't know, because we're all, you know, we're all into our laptops and what have you, and there was, there was you know, been various videos and news stories about batteries kind of going, going blowing up basically, and spontaneously catching fire. You know, there was something in a Dell lappy, something in an Apple laptop, and they've done all these recalls. And it transpires that the people who make these batteries are Sony. And I was just looking at the figures, and they've recalled... So Dell have recalled 4.1 million batteries. Apple have recalled 1.8 million batteries. That's sort of 6 million or so batteries, but, you know, give or take a few. And um, Sony have appointed some guy especially just to oversee this whole sort of fiasco because I mean it's obviously not good is it I mean if you've got a laptop downstairs charging in your house and you're worried it might spontaneously catch fire and burn your house down and kill everybody obviously not to paint too bleak a picture but you know uh, anyway Sony it looks like Sony are going to have to have to take a hit for between 175 and 265 million bucks for these batteries that's a rotten ouch. shame ouch I just uh, I just literally filled in the online thing about three days ago for my I bought the Mrs. Nipper a, a laptop, and uh, it was one of them. And I was like, no, 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 it'll be fine, it'll be fine. And then in the end, I was like, oh, actually, I suppose we better, because it's plugged in all the time. And I think it's four to six weeks delivery, and then they put in a stamped address envelope, and you send, you send your old one back. And then you don't have a battery for four to six weeks? Uh, no, actually, they send you the battery first, and oh. then when you get that, it's got a stamped address oh, envelope well, in the package. Reasonable. Yeah, I mean, that's obviously... Because that's not normally the way these things work, is it? It's like, oh, no, you send Uh, this back. But presumably these batteries are worthless. And the the last thing... Well, I mean, but surely you can't send these bloody things through the post. I mean, that's... It's it's illegal in this country to send anything explosive or 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 inflammable through the post. So surely aren't you breaking the law by sending it back? Oh, that'll be interesting. I'll check it out. It's inflammable when it's charged and when it's connected to the mains. Yeah, probably I say surely, you know, who knows these days. (laughs) One thing I am sure of, someone at Sony's going to get a big slap across the back of the legs, aren't they? There's our usual YouTube feature. This this week, we got a really... Dave, you found a great video. Tell us about it. It's brilliant. Um, there's, I mean, you know, there's sort of millions of myths in synthesis and, you know, how the, how these people got certain sounds and stuff like this. And, I mean, actually, when you really start delving into it, a lot of them aren't true. So it was great. This is basically Pete Townsend explaining how they got that kind of gated... Uh, effect on won't get fooled again using the uh, mega up 2500 and 2600 i always thought those things above the sliders were um 
were vents to let the heat out. I didn't actually realise that they were they were patch boards. Yeah, yeah, it's a little matrix. It's like it was a, a f- phenomenal instrument, but the crosstalk was uh, something pretty scary. But oh, the 2500s, the legendary, uh, you know, was the one in Close Encounters of the Third Kind, so... It holds a special place in history. What? Do 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 do. Yeah, yeah. If you look all at the all that end, technology yeah. managed to, you know, and it and it uh, and that's what it did. Go on, Nick. Yeah. I bet you even remember the uh, the hand movements, don't you? No, I'm afraid I don't. I did go and yeah, see it when I was a kid, though. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. There's a useless piece of trivia for you, but the guy who uh, the scientist who runs the sounds and stuff in Close Encounters was an ARP guy. Mm. Philip Dodds. There you go. You can all wake up now. Oh, thanks, Dave. That's a great piece of trivia. Bam, yeah, I, think I am sure. the synth trivia man. Okay, Dave. Well, I think I can hear your taxi coming to take you away to Prague for your um, Digi Design conference. I, the reason you're going to this is obviously because Digi um, distribute you. Is that right? Uh, well, M Audio, but M Audio, M Audio, owned by Digi, and yes, the Digi guys are there. It's a kind of joint um, event for all the European distributors and stuff so, oh, so how many people are going to be there uh it's quite a few it's quite a few uh i've got a big list somewhere but i haven't dared probably, look at it yet they've probably hired 10 more people since we actually started the pod recording the podcast well guys um it's been great thank you very much um dave have a great time in prague thank you very much and oz have a great time playing with the chaos pad 3 that you're going to be clutching well i'm actually hoping that tonight i'm going to be thrashing uh carl ritland of uh, loud technologies around the poker table well, uh, we hope nobody loses their shirts tonight, then. That's about a wrap. Um, just wanted to say, please, if you want to get in touch with us, leave a message or just disagree or agree or tell us what you're thinking. Um, do call us. Uh, we've got a contact number for Skype. Uh, our handle is Sonic Talk. Or if you want to use the phone number in the US, our number is 312-376-8089. If you're dialing from outside the US, it's 001-312-376-8089. Also, uh, email Sonic talk at sonicstate.com that's about it thank you sonic states.com <laughs>